Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. The Bible reading is taken from James chapter 1 and verses 1 through to 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We're starting a new series today through the book of James entitled Wisdom for Life. I was going to use the title Down to Earth Wisdom from Heaven because the book of James gives us a very good down to earth and practical wisdom for living life. And this wisdom is clearly from God. But Victoria said that the title Down to Earth Wisdom from Heaven was too cheesy. So I've gone for the less cheesy title, Wisdom for Life. Now the book of James is actually, uh, it actually isn't a book, it's, it's a letter. And we read in James chapter 1 and verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. This is how they would write letters in the first century. You would first introduce yourself and then you would say who you were writing to and and then you would send a greeting. So we know that James is the writer. But who is James? He doesn't tell us. It's like receiving a present and the card just says, From James. Which James? Your cousin? Your work colleague? Well, church tradition claims that it was James, the younger brother of Jesus. And there were only two Jameses in the early church that could write such an authoritative letter and merely call themselves James. And that is one, James, the brother of John, one of the twelve disciples. And two, James, the brother of Jesus. And we know he could not have been James, the brother of John, because he had already been killed for his faith in Jesus by the time this letter was written. So it must have been James, the younger brother of Jesus. Now Jesus had many brothers and sisters, well half-brothers and sisters, as Joseph was not his father, he was his adoptive father, you, you know what I mean. So for example, in Mark chapter 6 and verse 3 we read, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't these his sisters here with us? So Jesus had four brothers and some sisters. I'm glad I wasn't in that family. Imagine being in that family. Why can't you be as good as your brothers? James has written a book in the Bible and Jesus, well... He's God. Imagine trying to live up to that. Anyhow, initially, 
James did not believe in Jesus. He did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. In fact, James thought Jesus had gone mad for making such claims. And we read in Mark chapter 3 and verse 21, When his family, that's Mary and James and his other brothers, heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. But then, after Jesus rose from the dead, we are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 7, that Jesus appeared to James. And James probably said, Oh my God, it's true. You are the Son of God. Now that is quite something for a sibling, someone who you've grown up with, to claim that their brother is the Son of God. But that is is exactly what James did. After that, James did not just believe in Jesus, but he even became a leader in the church in Jerusalem. We can see this in Acts chapter 15. Now the church in Jerusalem is the mother church of Christianity. It is the most important church. And James, the brother of Jesus, is the minister, the pastor of that church. But take note of his humility. He doesn't write, James, the brother of Jesus, and the minister of the most important church. No, he simply says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is humility. And it's also a way of declaring that he is totally committed to following his big brother Jesus. This is the essence of being a follower of Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus is all about confessing that Jesus is the Lord of your life. It's all about being totally committed to trusting Jesus, following Jesus and serving Jesus like a loyal servant who loves, trusts and obeys his master. And this is what being a Jesus follower is all about. Okay, but who is James writing to? We read in verse 1, To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Now Israel was made up of twelve tribes. And so this is a, a reference, or at least the reference to the twelve tribes, is a symbolic way of referring to the true Israel, to the true people of God. And for James, the true people of God are those who have put their faith in Jesus. They are the true Israel. And this letter is probably the earliest letter to be written in the New Testament. And so at this point in the life of the church, all the followers of Jesus would have been Jews. Jesus was a Jew. James was a Jew. The the disciples were Jews. So, James is writing to Jews who had put their faith in Jesus. And they have been scattered among the nations. In other words, they are no longer living in Jerusalem, but they are now foreigners scattered among the nations of the Roman Empire. You see, this is what happened. Very soon after the birth of the church, persecution broke out against those who had put their faith in Jesus. 
And it started when the Jewish religious leaders killed a guy called Stephen, a follower of Jesus. Later, James, the brother of John, was also killed. And as a result, many followers of Jesus were forced to flee Jerusalem. And so we read in Acts chapter 11 and verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. And so James is writing to these fellow Jewish followers of Jesus who had fled because of the persecution. They are now immigrants, refugees, scattered among the nations and they are are seeking refuge and help from the Jewish communities within those nations. And they had been sharing the good news about Jesus to their fellow Jews and they had started these little churches all around those nations. But they are dependent on the help from the fellow Jews within those countries. And as a result, some of them were doing very well and making a lot of money. But others were poor and they were being exploited. And they were in desperate need for some advice, practical wisdom about how to live, how to do life within this context. And so James, their minister, their pastor in Jerusalem, writes to them in order to give them wisdom for life. And as such, the book of James is similar to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. It is a collection of short sayings that jump from topic to topic in order to help you to gain wisdom for daily living. And the topics include concern for the poor, responsible use of money, control of the tongue, and so on. But the issue that James starts with right at the beginning is probably the most important. How to respond to trials, to hardships, and difficulties in life. And we read in verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. James says that you will have trials in life. He says, whenever. He does not say, if ever. He says, when. He does not say, if. How many of you were hoping for if? You're like, man, I was hoping for if. What are the odds that I might get a trial in life? A hundred percent. James is a realist. Life is sometimes wonderful, sometimes painful. And there will be wonderful days. But sometimes there will be hard days, dark days, difficult days, painful days. Life is hard. Welcome to life. And becoming a Jesus follower does not mean you will have an easy life. The Christian life is not an easy life. It is a rewarding life, but it is not an easy life. And James does not promise us a carefree life. Far from it. James says you will have trials. In fact, he says you will have trials of many kinds. Persecution. Financial problems, employment issues, health issues, emotional and mental issues, relational and marital problems, bereavement, and so on. Trials of many kinds. And as soon as you get through a trial in one area of your life and you're like, glad that's over. And then you're hit by a trial in another area of life. This is life. Life is hard. 
And the reason that life is hard is because we live in a fallen world where evil, sin and death rule. The world is not the way God intended it to be. It's fallen. It's broken. And therefore there is pain and suffering and heartache. Evil is ruling the world. So just to be clear, God is not the author of evil. However tough life becomes, we must never blame our hardships on God. God did not cause our suffering. He's not making you suffer. James is very clear about this. In verse 17 he says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. God does not send evil and suffering. No. Everything that is good and perfect in life is from God. Anything that is not good or perfect is a distortion and a corruption of the good life that God intended for us. And it comes from people's evil desires and from evil itself. So don't blame God for your hardships in life. So how should we respond when life is hard? Well, James says in verse 2, Consider it pure joy. Pure joy, complete joy, nothing but joy. What? You've got to be kidding, James. When illness strikes, when I lose my job, when a child is in trouble, when things go wrong in life, we are meant to consider that pure joy? You can't be serious. Well, before we simply dismiss James, let's listen to his reasoning. We read on in verses 3 and 4. Because, this is the reason why we consider it pure joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So why should we consider it pure joy? Well, because hardship produces character. Hardships make us better people. It develops perseverance, endurance, faithfulness. And in turn, this makes us more mature and complete, rounded. James is saying that the trials of life can be used to knock off all the imperfections in our life and make us better people, make us more like Jesus. The Arabs have a saying, all sunshine makes a desert. In my experience, trouble-free people tend to be shallow people. They tend to be immature people. If you've got a problem, then they are the last person you want to go and see. By contrast, those who have experienced hardships in life and have come out successfully on the other side tend to be rich, deep people, spiritually mature. They tend to be more like Jesus. Now, God does not cause evil. He does not bring hardships into our life, but He does use them for our good. He uses them to make us better people, to make us more like Jesus. But this is dependent on how we respond to hardships. You see, life kicks. Life will kick you whether you like it or not. But it's up to you whether life will kick you backwards or forwards. 
So, how are you going to respond? Are you going to respond destructively, foolishly to hardships? Or are you going to respond constructively, wisely? Some of the destructive ways of responding to hardships are unrestrained anger and resentment at God or others. Self-pity will become introspective. Why me? Why me? Poor me. Denial, whereby you merely pretend everything is okay when it is blatantly not, but you refuse to admit it and face up to the reality. Escapism, whereby you use drink or drugs to get away from the problems of life. If you respond in any of these destructive ways, you will just end up discouraged and bitter. The constructive way to respond, the wise way to respond, is to consider it pure joy. Not to consider the hardship itself as pure joy. That would be masochistic. No. We consider the hardship as pure joy because of the opportunity it presents for personal growth and spiritual development. It gives us the opportunity to become better people, to become more like Jesus. But this is totally dependent on us considering it pure joy. It is about your attitude. It is about making a decision to consider it pure joy. Now, this isn't going to be easy. It does not mean that all of a sudden you're going to be filled with happiness and jumping up and down and smiling all the time. No. Nor do you have to pretend that you're super happy. I'm so happy. I lost my job. My car broke down. Praise the Lord. No. That is just a form of denial. The pure joy that James is talking about is not happiness, balloons, ribbons and bows. No, it's talking about having a different attitude, different priorities and different goals. It's about not allowing the hardships to make us bitter. The world will tell us that we have a right to an easy life, a comfortable and happy life. But life is not always like that. So we need to choose not to be bitter. We need to choose to have a, a different attitude and a different priority. So, what is your top priority? Is it to be happy and have a carefree life? Or is your top priority to be a better person? To be more like Jesus? Happiness or holiness? Now, I've got nothing against happiness. I like happiness. I want to be happy. But more than that, I want to be like Jesus. Selfless, loving, generous, even in times of hardships. If your top priority is to be more like Jesus, and if that goal is, of, is far higher and more valuable than merely avoiding hardships then you are able to consider hardships as pure joy because it gives you an opportunity to grow and to become more like Jesus. So, what is your top priority? 
life kicks. Life will kick you whether you like it or not. But the question is, will it kick you forward or backwards? And that is your choice. James ends with a promise. He writes in verse 12, Blessed is the one who perseveres, remains faithful to Jesus. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Life is hard, but if we remain faithful to Jesus, we have a sure and a certain hope of eternal life with Jesus in a renewed creation where life is just the way it should be, just the way God intended it. So let's persevere. Let's remain faithful. And let's ensure that life's hardships kick us forward. Amen.